So glad you're here. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to Psalm 39. Put your thumb there. We're going to be taking a look at that. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll be projecting the verses up on the screens, and you can follow along. Welcome to a new series. This series is called 30 Days to Live, and in it, it has the potential to wildly transform, supernaturally change all of our lives, all of our lives, and that's why I'm so excited about it. We're going to examine how our lives would be different if we recognize the truth about our time being very, very limited. First, the story. A husband and wife go to the doctor. The, the husband has been very sick. The doctor checks him out and, and, and it runs a lot of tests. And he says, ma'am, uh, if I could speak to you alone for a minute. And the husband goes outside. He says, ma'am, your husband is going to die probably in the next six months, unless we take some radical steps. But the good news is there is a treatment for this, and here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to fix him every day, three meals of his favorite food, prepared exactly the right way. You're going to have to be intimate with your husband at least once a day, every day during the six months. And you're going to have to reduce his stress level by not disagreeing or arguing with him at all during this time. The good news is if you do all these things over the six months, your husband will recover his Symptoms will go away, and he will live a good, healthy, long, and productive life. And she said, thank you, doctor. May I talk to my husband by in, in private? He said, yes. So the doctor goes out. The husband comes in. She says, honey, sit down. I talked to the doctor. He said, you're going to die. <laughs> now, how come only the women laughed? I don't, know what that, I don't know what that says. But the truth of the matter is that unless Jesus returns during our lifetime and takes those of us who belong with it to him up into the air, that we are all going to die. You might be interested to know that my date with death is April 20th. It's a Monday, April 20th, 2037. That's right. I know that my appointment with death is Monday, April 20th, 2037. You say, Tom, how do you know this? Did you have to use your pastor superpowers to come up with this number? I said, no. I was on the Internet. They have this thing called the death clock. And the death clock asks you questions. How old are you? Are you male or female? Are your mom and dad still alive? Do you have heart disease in your, in your family? Have you, do you skydive? Do you smoke? Have you ever ridden a bull named Fu Manchu? Do you hang around a lot with Matt Patrick? Things that would reduce your lifespan. And then it spits this out and tells you, when your date with death is, and mine happens to be April 20th, the year 2037. Of course, it could be heredity. It could be heredity. And if heredity is any rule, and I live as long as my father did, then I don't have less than 29 years, as the death clock says. If I live as long as my father did, I have less than 10 months. Less than 10 months. So the truth is, I could live much longer, or I could live much shorter. Because I'm going to Denver next week. I could be driving over Monarch. I could hit a patch of black ice, go over the edge. It's game over right there. It's game over right there. I could be walking around, as many people did with the last lecture. You know that guy? I could have pancreatic cancer, not know it, and die in four months. You know, anything could happen. I could have a heart attack because I get too keyed up about this preaching thing. I could drop it right now. We don't know. I could go home and be attacked by a mad, rabid teacup poodle who you met last week named, named Keish. We don't know. The possibilities are endless, but the truth is life is very, very brief. It is a mist that appears for a while 
and then it vanishes. And here's why I need to go through 30 days to live. I need to know there's never been a time when I've had so many different things pulling at my life, pulling at my attention, pulling at my time. And I, you know, I have different roles. I have a, a full-time job at the college. I have a calling here as a pastor of this church. And God is doing amazing things. I have, I'm a partner in a, in a struggling real estate uh, deal that is pulling my attention and pulling my time. I have several primary, very important roles. The first is being husband to my best friend and wife, Cherie, whom I love madly. And I want to protect our 22-year-old marriage. I'm also the father to a 16-year-old daughter and a 20-year-old son, and they are growing up lightning fast. And if I don't pay attention, if I don't lock into that, I'm going to miss it. So I have a lot of things that are pulling in my time, and the number of demands and, and opportunities over the last few years have been unprecedented. And you pray about what you're supposed to say yes to and what you're supposed to say no to, but still, I struggle. I struggle. Sometimes I'd be out there and I'd say yes to something and I'd, I'd be there at, at this appointment or this meeting and I'd say, what a colossal waste of time. I should be home. I should be home loving on my family. Or, or I'd say no to something and I'd be somebody somewhere else wasting time and thinking, I need to be out there making a difference and making the most of my time. And so you pray about it. What do you do? What do you do? What do you say yes to? What do you say no to? And I heard a pastor say, of course you pray about it. Of course you pray about it. But here's a good filter to run everything through. Every opportunity, every request, every chance. Ask yourself, if you knew you had only 30 days to live, would you say yes to this? Would this be something you're doing if you knew you only had 30 days to live? And some things I would say yes to. They're important, and they're important whether I have 30 years or 30 days to live. Some things I would say yes to. But the majority of things in my life, the majority of things, if you're anything like me, the majority of things in your life, you would say no to. You would say no to. Because in my case, my time with my family, my time here, the things that that are most precious to me and most precious to God. I can't be all over the place wasting my time with things that don't really matter. What would you say yes to? What would you say no to? How would your life be different if you knew you only had 30 days to live? That's what we're going to be exploring. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to take a look at two two verses from Psalm 39. And they're going to become very familiar to us because they're going to guide us through this, uh, this series. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. Read along with me. Uh, this is from the New Living Translation. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Now, before we go on, I'd like for all of us to read that first sentence of verse 4 and, and make it our prayer. Make it our prayer this morning. If we could say it aloud, that first sentence. Lord, say it together. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Life is brief. It is the width of a hand. We are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Throughout the 30 days to live, we're going to meet several people. 
several very special people who've been told by doctors that they don't have much time to live. This week, we're going to introduce you to a lady named Stacy McCauley. She is a mother. She is a wife. She is a daughter. She is a friend. She was the leader of uh, worship at a thriving church in Oklahoma. And doctors say she has a very, very short time to live. Let's take a look. Well, I'm, I'm kind of everyone's, every breast cancer survivor's worst nightmare, really, because I was first diagnosed in 2004 um, with stage one. And I came back with my nose clean and everything, and I, I did chemo, and I, I did the double mastectomy. I did everything right. And, but for some odd reason, um, the cancer went to the lymph node behind my breastbone, which is practically unheard of. And so it was allowed to grow there for several years. It didn't cause me any problems. And now it's in my bones, so I'm considered stage four. And um, unless there's a miracle, you know, I'm gonna be going home soon. And I'm kind of double-minded about it because there's part of me that is kind of excited in a weird way, you know, because I'm, I'm, I know where I'm going and it's gonna be a great place. And then, but there's this other part of me that's not ready to go yet. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm too young. And I feel for the people that I'm leaving behind, you know, especially my girls. <sighs> Probably not going to see them grow up, you know. I feel cheated out of grandbabies. I feel cheated out of weddings. I, I feel, you know, I'm double-minded. I have this, this, I have this argument with myself. Two different feelings about this same thing. You know, and I feel for people who don't have a relationship with God and they're going through this. I don't know how they did it. I really don't. And I even feel for those people who maybe do have a relationship but don't really know Him. I mean, know Him to the very core of your being. Know that He is good. Know that He loves you because it, sometimes it doesn't seem like that. It doesn't seem like He's good. And it doesn't seem like He loves me. You know, and, but since I know that with every inch of me, you know, that's, that's my hope and that's my comfort. And I, I really do feel for anyone who does not have that foundation. Stacy's story is very, very powerful. You're going to be hearing more about it and from her later this morning. As we look at the scripture, we're going to turn to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. We're going to take a look at three divine turning points through this scripture. I want you to look at that scripture with me. James chapter 4, starting at verse 13 and following. It says, Now listen, those of you who say today or tomorrow will go to this city or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What is your life? Say it with me. You are a what? A mist that appears for a little while and then what? Vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, it says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and you brag, and all such boasting is what? Is evil. Now, verse 17, let God's word speak to your heart. Anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, what? Sins. 
Anyone who knows the good that God has set before him or her and does not do it, sins. What is life? It is a mist in that it vanishes. We are here for a very brief time. It is the width of your hand. It is very short. And we pray that God will speak to your hearts this morning about three divine turning points. We're going to take a look at them one by one. The first turning points, if you're taking notes, is this. We're going to pray that God would turn our when into now. Say it with me. Turn our when into now. I don't know if you're anything like me, but for much of my life, I am almost wishing my life away by thinking how things might be different in the future. Whenever, when such and such happens, then my life will really be mattering. When things are just the way I think they need to be, then I can respond to God with all the things he's putting on my heart. If you're anything like me, I've talked to so many people who are playing the when-then game. Maybe you're a single person and you're saying, when I finally get married, meet the right person, then I'll finally be happy. Maybe you're saying, when I get out of college, then I'll reconnect with God. Maybe when I get out of debt, then I'm going to start tithing, giving regularly to the church. Maybe when we get the right house, then I'm going to host a small group that God has been talking to me about. Maybe when my career is established, my finances in order, then I'm going to pay attention to my kids. Maybe when the kids are gone, I'm going to then invest in my marriage as I know I should have been. And the problem is then never comes for most of us. I am wishing my life away. When? Then? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what the when thens are for you. But we're going to go ask God to turn our whens into nows. Why? Because if you haven't realized that life is brief, it goes like a blink. I hang around with Matt. He's in his 20s. I used to be cool. Two decades ago, I was cool. But then I blinked and it was gone. It seems like the moment my skin cleared up, my beard turned gray. You have kids know this to be true. You say to yourself, we can't be aging at the same pace. We are and life is brief. It is a blink. If you're like me, you can get so goal-oriented, so focused, so, so connected with the future that you miss right now. You miss right now. You can be so focused on what is to come that you forget that right now is the time to be living, to be praising, to be loving, to be serving. Turn our wins into now. Here's a suggestion. This is my assignment for these 30 days and beyond. Maybe it's yours. Maybe this is God's assignment for you. Ask him to turn your when into now. Ask him to allow you that wherever you are, whoever you're with, to be all there. To be all there. Sometimes when I'm with my wife, I'm thinking about church. I'm thinking about work. I'm solving problems. I'm not all there in the moment. Sometimes when you're with your coworkers or your friends or your children, your mind is somewhere else. You're flipping the channels, whether physically or mentally. You're not all there. We need to be all there, engaged, listening to people's hearts, responding, listening to God, being all there in the moment because right now God wants to work. 
Right now, God wants to love. Right now, he wants to pour out his spirit. That's where we need to be right now. Be all there. Don't be talking to somebody and texting somebody else. Be all there, right there in the moment. Psalm 118, verse 4. Let's take a look at it. Say it with me. This is the day. This is the day. When is the day? This day. It is always this day. If you hang it on tomorrow, tomorrow will not come. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in what? In this day. Now matters. Now matters. How we respond to God now matters. God, please turn our whens into nows. The first turning point. All of us say this aloud together if we would. Lord, turn our when into now. Because life is very brief. Turning point number two if you're taking notes, is not only to have God turn our winds into nows, but asking him to turn our intentions into actions. If you're, if you're like me and most people I know, so you've got some really good intentions about life, about your life, about what you're there for, about what you want to do. You have some really good intentions. But if you're also like most people, you haven't gotten around to them. You haven't gotten around to him. So we want God to turn our intentions into actions. Let's revisit James, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. It speaks on this. Let God speak to your heart. Then anyone who knows what? The good that we ought to do, that he or she ought to do, and what? Doesn't do it. Sins. Anyone who knows the good that God has put before him and doesn't do it. Sins. What has God put before you? What good intentions does he want to turn into actions? Not when, but now. I have a friend, Jason Dunning, comes to this church. He climbs huge mountains. Mountains with things called crevasses. I learned this word. It's a fountain, fancy mountain word. You know what a crevasse is? It's a huge gaping hole that reaches to the center of the earth. And if you fall into it, you're going to have a very, very bad day. So he climbs these mountains and he had to cross these crevasses. You know what they do? They take this huge ladder. They stretch it across and they do this on the left. Not a good choice. They bridge the gap. We're going to ask in our lives for God to close the gap, to close the gap between our good intentions and our actions, to turn our when into now. It's important that he close the gap. What good intentions has God put on your heart that you just haven't gotten around to yet? Who is that person that you know that you ought to be reaching out to who doesn't know Jesus Christ, but you just haven't gotten around to it yet? Maybe he is asking you to connect. Connect in a way with your spouse or somebody you love or one of your children. Connect and fully engage with them. Pour your life into them and hear them, encourage them, love them, build them up, pray for them, pray with them, guide them. What is he asking you to do to reach out, to go beyond your comfort zone? to really make a difference, to let the God in you spread all over this community and this college until revival comes to this town. What is he putting on your heart? To not be the same, not not wait until something happens, but now, what is he putting on your heart to do? Maybe he's calling you to go on a missions trip, to serve sacrificially in the name of Jesus. You've got that intention on your heart, but you're not doing it. Turn our intentions into actions. Maybe he's telling you, you need to start supporting his ministry. 
You need to start giving regularly. Maybe you need to use your gifts to serve the church that he died for so that we can reach more people and build up more people and encourage more people. Maybe you've hurt somebody. And you need, he's telling you, you need to go make things right. You have the gift, the spirit of reconciliation. You need to go to them and apologize. Maybe somebody's hurt you and you've enjoyed holding on to it for too long. And God is saying, you've got to let them go. You've got to forgive and get free. What has he laid on your heart to do that you just haven't gotten around to? I'm be very honest with you. God gave me a gift in this. I was 19 years old, and my father, whom I'm very close to, was dying of a brain tumor. And I actually got mad at him for being sick, for having the nerve to die when I needed him, when my sisters needed him, when my mother needed him. And I put distance between us. While I only lived an hour away, it became less and less convenient for me to be there. I didn't want to call. I didn't want to talk to him because I was angry. And God gave me a wake-up call. And he said, Tom, you are missing whatever time you have left because of your stubborn anger. And I knew that I had to reconnect or he would die and I would never tell him all the things that he meant to me. I would never tell him. I've forgiven him that I asked for uh, forgiveness from him. And God woke me up. And you know, you've been to hospitals. I've been to hospitals a lot. And you see people who are right on the verge of death and they're full of regrets. I never said this. I never forgave this person. This person doesn't know how much they mean to me. And then you see sons and daughters who haven't been there, who didn't make it a priority to get there before their father died, their mother died, their grandparents died, their friends died. I never told them. I never turned my intentions into actions. Thank God that he gave me the wake-up call. And I still had some time. And we connected. And we talked. And we prayed. And I was there. I was there with him. Praying. When Jesus took his hand from mine. And into his arms. There is no telling. The powerful impact that God can unleash in your life if you allow the Holy Spirit to turn the intentions into actions. Not when, but now. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says this. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you have it with you now. James says, he who knows what God has laid before him and doesn't do it, sins. Three divine turning points. Let's say these together. The first one, God turn our when into now. It's sounding a little lame out there, okay? Come on. We're strong, small, but we're mighty. Turning point number two, God turn our intentions into Actions, and if you're taking notes, the turning point number three is God turn our whole heart to Jesus. Turn our whole heart to Jesus. The problem is today, too many people, I think, in churches all over the country, all over the world maybe, are turning just a piece of themselves to Jesus. 
And, and, and as an example, uh, how, it's flu shot time, right? Do you get flu shots? How many get flu shots? You're embarrassed of whether or not you got a flu shot? Come on, let me know. You got a flu shot? What, what is the flu shot? You go into the doctor, right? And he rolls up the sleeve, and the doctor takes the, 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 the big spear. Yeah, I hate him. And he sticks it in, and he pushes the button. What, what does he or she give you? Give you a little bit, a little bit of the flu, right? To make you resistant to what? The whole thing. That's how you get immunized. You get a little bit of the flu, just enough to make you resistant to the whole thing. What we have today, I believe, are a lot of people who just get a little bit of Jesus. I just want a little bit of Jesus. I'm going to walk my way. I'm going to have my own life. I just got, I got a little bit of Jesus. I'm going to make my own decisions, set my own path. I'm going to give him a shout out. I'm going to let him know I, I know he's there. I'm cool with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church once in a while. How you doing, Jesus? Maybe once a month. Maybe Christmas and Easter. I'm feeling pretty good. You're going to get something back for this, Jesus. I'm going to give to you. Here's a dollar. How you like that, huh? I got a little bit of Jesus. I got a little WWJD thing here. I may even have my name on my Bible. I got a little bit of Jesus. A little bit of Jesus. Just enough to make me resistant to the whole thing. We're going to turn our whole hearts to Jesus because your life is the width of your hand. It is a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. There's a story that I'm going to share, but as we think about God turning our whens into nows, our intentions into actions, in light of this, there is nothing better that you can do with this moment than to turn your whole heart to Jesus Christ. Do it now. Do it now. I don't want to be away from you, Lord. I don't want the sin that is destroying my life. I don't want to set my own path and check in and check out with you. I want to turn my whole heart to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I need you to come. I need you to come to me, turn me around, and help me turn my whole heart to you. This was the topic that Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 12. He's talking to a number of people. He gets this question, what is the most important thing? What is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You will turn your whole heart to me. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there's this one guy who is listening to him. And he says, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I get that. And Jesus must have known. he, He knew everything. So he must have known that this man had that information here. But he did not have it here. And here's what he said to him. In Mark 12, 34, Jesus says, look very closely. When Jesus saw that this man had answered wisely, he said to him, get this, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. Let Jesus' words sink in right here. Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. You're near, but you're not there yet. You're close. You're close. You're 18 inches away from turning your whole heart to me. You got the facts right, but you're not sold out. How many of us are near? 
to the kingdom of heaven. But we're not quite there yet. That's why we need him to turn our wins into now. We need him to turn our intentions into actions. We need him to turn our whole hearts toward Jesus Christ now. Now. Because life is brief. It is a breath. It is a mist that appears for a moment and then vanishes. Stacy McCauley is somebody who knows this maybe better than anyone right now. Let's listen. You know, I feel like I want to be more present in the moment because I don't have very many moments left. And so I just, I try to enjoy every moment. And um, even in the mundane things, you know, I mean, that's the harder thing to do. But even in the mundane things, I try to just enjoy it, even if that means, you know, talking to God or singing to him, you know, um, but I, I try not to take anything for granted because we're, we're not guaranteed anything, you know, and I know I don't have much, many moments left, so I want to enjoy every bit of it. You, you've got to really have a relationship with him, not just religion, but a relationship with him because there will be something that's going to come along that's going to knock you off your feet and you're going to need him. And so I am just a totally different person than I was seven years ago. But I also think I'm a lot different person than I was in May, you know, because I am starting to number my days aright and gain a heart of wisdom, you know. It's, it's what's important. Things aren't important. Going places, that's not important. Um, family, friends, relationships, that's what's important. It really is. It's the only thing that you can really, I guess, in a way, take with you in your heart, you know? Don't expect tomorrow to come. It may not be there. You, need to, you can't wait until you're sick to start living because, to be honest with you, a lot of the time you don't feel good enough to do what you want to do, you know? You need to start living now. Now. There's no wait until the doctor tells you. You need to fix the relationship now. You need to live in the moment now. You need to enjoy yourself and the people that you're with now. Don't wait. If you would join me in a, in a spirit of prayer, let's join our hearts together. Father, remind us how brief our time on earth will be so that we can please you in all that we do. We can please you. It's so brief. As you're reflecting on the scriptures and all that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I would ask you, if he's speaking to you as he is to me, you'll recognize in so many ways how you're wishing your life away waiting for the whens to come, playing the when-then game, when something happens, then I'll do. I'll do what God has called me to do. Lord, I want to trust in you. I want to turn the whens into nows. I want your power. I want your grace. I want your plan. I want your love. 
If you need to turn your whens into nows, if you need God to do that for you, this is the time. If he would say to you, if he's impressing upon your heart that this is the day, this is the day for you. If he's impressing upon your heart that he has laid out for you intentions and put things on your heart, but you've never gotten around to them. He wants to turn those intentions into actions. If you want to live and die with no regrets, but there are still some things that you haven't moved moved on and you know they're from him. I ask you to slip your hand up. I want to pray for all of us to turn God to turn our wins into nows, to turn our intentions into actions. Thank you. Praise God. If you need me to pray for you, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. We need to get honest. Let's pray. Pray with me. Make these yours. Lord, thank you for your plan. Thank you for every day. Thank you for this day. Lord, don't let us wish our lives away. You said tomorrow is no guarantee that it's boasting and bragging for us to assume that it is, and so we confess that. Lord, help us see the treasure of this day. And Lord, that all the intentions and all the plans and all of the visions that you've given us, that you've laid on our heart of what you want to do in us, in our families, in this community, our marriages, our friendships. Lord, turn them into actions this day. Lord, we hear your spirit speaking to us and we want to respond and say, yes, yes, do it, Lord. We don't ever want to be the same again. Redeem the time. We want to end our lives with no regrets having served you every moment. In Jesus' name, for your glory, amen. Still praying. I wonder if the third turning point, God speaking to your heart through the scriptures, through his Holy Spirit, speaking to your heart that you don't need a little bit of Jesus. Someday, whether it's in this life or in the next, like Stacy said, you're going to need Jesus and you're not going to need a little bit of him. You're going to need all. Of him, And that is exactly what he's offered you this morning. This is the day. This is the day of salvation. If you would say, I've been trying to get through life with a little bit, with a little bit turning part of my heart, part of my attention, part of my commitment, part of my devotion. But now I know, now I know I need my whole heart, my whole heart to be turned to Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your day. This is your moment. Let God turn that intention into actions. Today is the day. Every bit of you, your emotions, your will, your mind, your thoughts, your plans, your dreams, your talents, your aspirations, all your, all your focus, all your direction, all your, all your love. I want to turn it to him. If that's you. I'd ask you to slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. This is the most transforming decision of your life. This would be the most important decision of your life. God bless you. God bless you. If you want to come up, some of you will step across the spiritual line and you will never be the same again because you're not willing to wait for the when. You're not willing for the intentions to wait. It needs to be actions. You're not willing to turn part of your heart. If this is you, 
I ask you to either come up, raise your hand, I'll pray with you. I'm praying with you, sweetheart. I am praying with you, buddy. I am praying with you. Make this prayer your own. Make it your commitment. It is not mine. It is yours. And God will meet you where you are. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you with my whole heart, with my whole heart. I don't want the sin that is dismembering my life and my relationships and my vision and the direction. I want right now to turn my whole heart to you. I want you to lead wherever you lead, however you lead, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say. My life is a blank slate. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I trust you now. And Lord, I can't wait to see how you are going to change my life and use my life. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Congratulations for rededicating whatever that was for you, whether that's coming for the first time or coming back after a long time. God is meeting you now. And not only these 30 days will be different for you, but every day thereafter that he graces you with. He's going to work in your life in a powerful way. Praise God. Praise God. Let us sing and sing praises to his name. Heaven is rejoicing with you as you made this commitment, and we rejoice too. Let's sing.